baby back door, baby fall off. Sipping codeine, cause I gotta kill a cow. Let me sit sideways in the big bins. Oh, you boys, they my brothers, they my friends. The game may be over, but they are just getting started. Raw and unfiltered, this is the OU Insider staff, and this is the Under the Visor postgame podcast. Welcome, welcome to another OU Insider Under the Visor Sooners postgame podcast. My name is Brandon Drum. I'm here with Parker Thune, and Oklahoma has lost again in the 2022 season. And I say again because now it's the fourth loss, or five and four, after a. It was an entertaining game, but the end result isn't what. The people listening to this want to hear uh, as Oklahoma lost 35 to 38 to the Baylor Bears at home in Norman, Oklahoma, giving up 282 yards rushing, 130 something yards. I'd have to look at it again 130 something yards passing, uh, two touchdown passes. Correct. I think they had two touchdown passes, right, and five rushing. Is that is that the final box score, if I remember correctly? It was like something where – because I think one of them looked like a rush, but it was like a jet sweep, so it was a pass because it's forward. So, um, they scored 38 points. Yeah, that's they scored just, 38 points. I it, guess that's it, all that it matters. It is worse. Yeah. 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 So, anyway, the point being is, is that Oklahoma lost. And right now there is a – there, there's kind of a, a rift between media and the fans. The fans, the defense is the worst thing in the world. And the, the media, and it's not just me, there's several media people out there claiming that the defense didn't play as bad as uh, people are trying to portray them to be because uh, four turnovers, four turnovers when you count the turnover on downs, which is four possessions that you were not trying to give Baylor at that juncture uh, for additional possessions that Baylor got in the game. Uh, Normally you would go punt, maybe a kick, you know, those type of things. But anytime you turn the ball over, whether turnover downs or throw an interception, that's extra possessions that aren't scripted. Everything obviously is not scripted, but literally not the part of the game that you want to give them the ball for and gave up short yardage to and when I say a short field basically to for Baylor to score luckily for Oklahoma 
the first half, Parker, we walked away and we we're like, it could have been way worse. It could have been way worse. But somehow between that being the case and the game ending, it went from the defense held its own and kept Oklahoma in the ball game to they suck. <laughs> I don't know. It's like it's like well, I, I don't know. <laughs> I think I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that throughout the fourth quarter, Brandon, you just see you, you just continue to see the defense's will break. And when Baylor needed when Baylor needed to move the ball in the fourth quarter, when they needed to string a drive together, when they needed to move the chains, they did it at will against Oklahoma's defense. And you saw it on the last possession, right? You had two chances, a third and seven and a third and three to be able to get off the field and give your offense another chance to go down the field and tie or win the football game. Mm -hmm. And the Sooners couldn't do it to me. And I mentioned this in the post game mailbag that I uh, put up uh, just hours after the game ended on OU insider VIP to me. And I know this is going to sound bizarre at face value, so you're going to have to give me some space to explain it. But mm. there's not a ton of difference between this team in 2022 and Oklahoma in 2021. And again, the reason why some people are going to be like, what are you talking about? Is because that Oklahoma team in 2021 won. won 11 games, right? And now here Oklahoma sits at five and four. But Consider how many games could have so easily swung the other direction in 2021. Tulane, West Virginia, Kansas, Texas, Iowa State, even Nebraska, right? The difference between Oklahoma in 2021 and Oklahoma in 2022, in my eyes, simply comes down to having a handful of elite football players that will go make a play when you need one. And the Sooners had a whole bunch of those guys last year, guys like Caleb Williams, and Nick Benito and Delarian Turner yell. Isaiah Thomas is getting sacks on Sunday. Yeah, so. They don't have any of those guys in 2022. That's not to say they don't have talent because they do, but they don't have an elite football player who also has that killer instinct, that desire, and that urgency to be able to go make a play when a play needs to be made. When you need to get off the field in third and seven, there's nobody on that defensive side of the ball that you know is going to be right where they need to be shutting that thing down. And you can say the same about the offense to a certain extent, but I think it's been more conspicuous to this point in the year on the defensive side of the ball. And this loss today felt very similar to the loss to Kansas State, where yeah, maybe at the end of the day, you don't feel like you got thoroughly outplayed and you did some good things, and it wasn't all bad by any means. But you left enough on the field that you can't really argue with the outcome because you also didn't deserve to win the football game. Even if you don't feel like you necessarily deserved to lose it, even if you don't feel like you necessarily uh, played poorly enough to – no, it, it, it's not like we saw the type of game from Oklahoma today that we saw on October 1st when they went down to Fort Worth, right? Mm -hmm. Oklahoma played a reasonably competent football game today, but when push came to shove, they didn't make the plays that it took to win in crunch time. And that's become a bugaboo for this program. And it will, it will continue to be a bugaboo 
until you get to the point, and I don't know how long this is going to be, Brandon, I don't, but until Oklahoma gets to the point where they have somebody who's on the same level, not just physically, but also mentally, in terms of the drive, in terms of the urgency, as somebody like Nick Benito or Delarian Turner-Yell or Caleb Williams, the Sooners are going to continue to have these issues late in games. And that's where the issues really became the most conspicuous to me today was in the fourth quarter. Because again, oh, you had momentum going into the final period. It mm. felt like they were in position to take over. And then all of a sudden, they just couldn't get off the field when it mattered. They couldn't take back the momentum. And Baylor wore them down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like your analogy of 2021. I do. I think 2020 is also another – I think they, they Oklahoma just won. They won close games yeah. in 2020. And I think those two years kind of set up this year because the the one thing that 21 and 22 had, like you said, was those elite guys on the defensive side of the ball, whether it was a Ronnie Perkins or Nick Benito or a Isaiah Thomas or Caleb Williams or even a Spencer Rattler in 2020 – making plays that needed to be played or needed to be made, Ramondre Stevenson, and not, not, I get, I don't want to say buckling or 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 giving up or anything, but I think more so just not having the confidence to go out there and do what you need to do and play sound, confident football. I think there's some there's still some hesitancy in this team because all the newness. I think I and I think when you look back at the 21 and 20, you want to know what the you want to know what one of the differences is is the fact that they were used to the system. Right? Like defensively and offensively, like they were used to the system. And when you're used to the system and you're comfortable, guess what comfortability brings? Brings confidence because you don't have to worry about it. you're not second guessing anything that you do. And I still think there's some of that going on with Oklahoma and the players right now. And I'm not talking, I'm talking about both sides. I mean, Dylan Gabriel, for God's sakes, there was three picks, right? Well, okay, they were tipped. I'll give you that. Okay, fine. That last one, that's a bad throw. It's a bad throw. It was a bad throw, and Marvin Mims was wide open deep. And I told you this off air, Levy was losing his mind above us in the press box, <laughs> losing his ever loving mind because it was, it was so apparent. I turned to Joey in the middle of the play. I was like, Oh my God, Marvin's wide open. Marvin's wide open. And it was just like, Dylan was so fixated on whatever he was fixated on that. He just is like, he froze. And then it got so late. He just threw it. And then it was tipped. Now the first one should have been pass interference. Yes, that should have been well, you, the, the second. You're thinking of the second one. Second one, excuse me. Mar- yeah, yeah. The one with Will, the one to Braden Will, should have been pass interference. Yes, that was so bad, so bad. Um, but as far as like the defense goes, I think the turning point. And you were talking about the third down conversions on the last drive, and fourth down conversions. For and that fourth matter, down, because right? Again, yeah, they were three for three. Right. Again, there are people who just look at the box score. Yeah, four for 13 game, on third down. Right? They're like, And yeah, if you yeah. saw the statistic four for 13 on third down, you'd figure, oh, okay, Oklahoma did pretty good in that department. But when you factor in three for three on fourth down, yeah. that's where it really 
you know, that's just looking at the third down figure and not having watched the game and understand that understood the context that affects the perception. Did you know that Baylor was 70, now 70% on the year for a fourth down conversion? They're on fourth down a lot. One of 30. What? And, and look, I want to emphasize this, the comparison I, I made between the 2022 team and the 2021 team. That's not me trying to make this sound better than it is because it's not. No. Sooners are five and four. There's there's not really a way to sugarcoat this. I'm not trying to sugarcoat it. And nor am I trying to say that that difference that I highlighted between 2021 and 2022 is minuscule because a handful of elite football players with a killer instinct, heck, that's the difference between a mediocre football team and a good team. And another handful is the difference between a good football team and an elite team. And right now, the Sooners are a mediocre football team. There, it's the difference between losing a one-possession game and winning a one-possession game. It is. That's why, essentially, when you brought up the K-State and you bring up Baylor and how similar, it's one-possession ball games. You lose a one-possession ball game if you don't have the elite guys out there. That And, and we're not saying they're devoid of talent. Oklahoma's talented. There's a bunch of four or five stars out there. They are still lost, and I don't know what it is. I can't put a finger. I honestly can't put a finger on it. Why Brian Kelly can go into LSU and struggle and then turn it around and beat Alabama at home. Now, death Valley is a different story at night. We all know that it's a whole, it adds a couple points. I'm sure to the score for LSU, but how does that happen? How does Notre Dame do what they did to, to Clemson? Other than Clemson's, you talk about bad quarterback play. My Uyunglele is bad. It's Club Nick season at Clemson. It has to be by it now, has right? Been. It has. It been should have been a Nick long season. time ago. Yeah, yes. it should have been a long time ago. Yeah, but that aside. Yeah. Um, oh, but I was going to tell you real quick. Uh, the I think what changed for Oklahoma. I thought, and I was trying to get to that. Um. I think the biggest play outside of the rain, hands to the face, and the, the three turnovers. Do you want to know what I think the biggest play was? That just changed everything. Oklahoma just stopped Baylor on a big third down, and they were about to get the ball and have a chance to go up and lead the ball game if this doesn't happen. Well, I can't, I can't, I can't think of it. Isaiah Coe. Oh man. You're exactly right. I'd forgotten about that play somehow. But to no, me, that, gets... would, that changed everything. Cause what did Baylor do? They went down, they scored. Yeah, man. That was pivotal. Huge. That was pivotal. But again, it's those little things. Stupid, stupid, stupid. It's those little things. The Sooners are not doing the little things well right now. No. And it's... And I may have the timeline mixed up there or something, uh, but it was such a big play. I remember it was big because everybody was hyped. They were getting off the field, and (laughs) the helmet goes flying across. And I was like, how did that happen? And... eh. Because they weren't going to go for it there. Like, they weren't going to go for it because they were, like, on their own, I think, like, 25-yard line. 
And I, and, as I recall, they were on the plus side of the field. They were about to line up for a field goal. No, they were over there on. They were down there by their their end. Okay, I might just be making things up in my own head, but yeah, and I may be too. Kind of like I, I, I freaking lost. Like uh, before we got on the podcast, I literally lost my notes, and I've been like looking everywhere for them, and I don't know where I said it. And I was like, you know what? Screw it. I'm just gonna go on here, flying blind, huh? Yep. I'll tell you uh, who was impressive again today. <laughs> Eric Ray, 23 carries, 104 yep. yards, two touchdowns, third straight 100 yard game for him. And <laughs> the thing is, if I'd told you that nine games into the 2022 campaign, Dylan Gabriel's TDINT ratio is going to be what it is. That the Sooners will have found a true bell cow running back who is dominating out of the backfield. And well, I guess I can't really, I can't really come up to say I can't I can't come up with a third thing to say about the defense because well there's just not there's not a whole lot of nice things to say right now about the defense. But still, if I told you those two things were happening offensively for Oklahoma, I guarantee you, you would never have imagined that this team would be sitting at five and four. But here we are, and that it's because of the defense, Brandon. Again, yeah. If you told any Oklahoma fan going into this weekend that they were going to score thirty-five points. I feel like most, if not all of them, would have expected that that would be enough to win against this Baylor team. Mm-hmm. And the most the most appalling thing about the performance today defensively was the fact that Richard Reese barely touched the field. He was dealing with the flu all afternoon. And the Sooners made a couple of jag running backs a fifth-year senior, more specifically, by the name of Squirrel Williams, look like Walter Payton reincarnated. Mm-hmm. Squirrel Williams ran for 194 yards and two touchdowns. And listen, I kept in contact all week, more so than usual, just because I happen to have a lot of connections on the Baylor side. I kept in contact all week with people from the Baylor side, and that was the one thing they said is, look, Richard Reese is a really good running back, but behind him, Baylor does not have a whole heck of a lot. Depth at that position is a legitimate concern. Well, you would never have guessed that today if you didn't know better. (laughs) No, that's fair. Hey, by the way, I I have it right here now. Okay, so I went and did some research while you were talking about Squirrel Williams, uh, and he did. He was unbelievable. He, uh, (laughs) I didn't even know he really existed (laughs) very much until today. But leave it up to Oklahoma to uh, make somebody look like a superstar, right? Um, second, you were right. It was on. So they were going towards the south end zone. That's where I got confused. They're going from left to right. If you're in the on the west side, towards the south end zone. So they were on Oklahoma's 15 yard line, and they had just tackled Squirrel Williams for a five yard loss. So. They were getting back to the 20-yard line. So it was about to be third and 13. Essentially, Oklahoma was about to force him to field goal. And instead, it went from on the OU 15 to the OU 7, first down, personal foul. Yep. And the rest is history. Um, the pass interference came a couple plays later, which I – that pass interference on C.J. Colden, I think, is a little was a little mm, – 
you know. Hey, it, it was borderline. It was yeah. borderline. So, anyways, no yeah, they, either or call. Yep, um, they scored touchdown on the very next play after those two penalties. So, and those two penalties were costly because that's the difference between 35, 30, uh, excuse me, 35, 31 and 38, 35. Seriously. Like that's the difference. And you can throw the rain situation in there as well. And a 35 yard field goal. Schmidt makes it right. Like we both agree with that. Right. So, um, those penalties cost Oklahoma. Like if, if this game goes into overtime, do you think Oklahoma had do you would you would you have guessed Oklahoma had the will to win at that point if they if it went into overtime or I yes, yeah. yes. In an overtime game in that circumstance, I think you favor Oklahoma. Certainly. Yeah, because I think you have to at that point you have to you only have four downs, really. I mean, you've got you're on the twenty five yard line. You've got to somehow punch it in, and unless Oklahoma was going to give up, they they weren't giving up huge chunk plays in the run game, and I think that's that's kind of the one thing I will say is, well, you know what? Never mind. I think it does take away the fourth down conversion stuff at that point because you got to put points on the board. You can't just go in and go, I'm going to run it, and if it gets third down – or fourth down, I'm going to go for it. Because if you come up empty-handed in an overtime scenario, Oklahoma just goes down there and kicks a field goal and the game's over. So you've got to get points on the board. That I think that nullifies or negates a lot of Aranda's analytical or his analytic way of going about. Does that make sense? Yeah. I just – I have a question. Uh, I'm curious if you can come up with an answer for it. Because, mm-hmm. well, I, I have a lot of questions in the aftermath of this game, but this is one that we really haven't touched on yet and that I'd like to know if uh, you can at least try and answer. Mm-hmm. How is this defensive front so unproductive? They can't stop the run. They can't pressure the quarterback. Again, I don't think it's for lack of talent. What's the issue? Oh, they went back to the odd man front today, bro. Quite a bit. They did. That is true. They mix. They mix things up. In some circumstances, they were in even fronts, and they rolled with the odd front at times as well. The big run like plays they, came on the odd man front when they were two gapping it. Exactly. They were what two I was gapping it, and they are not a two gap team. I want to scream at the top of my lungs. Why? 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 But whatever at this point, like you're five and four, who cares? <laughs> like, who cares? Um, I, I don't know. Like, so Jalen Redmond had a pretty good game. Um, yeah, that was it on the defensive front. <laughs> it's like, it's like, again, like it was like, like it was like Redmond and that was it. Like, like I, okay, just, I'm trying to, I'm actually going to the stats right now to see. No, like, don't, don't, nobody really played well, Brandon. And they haven't like, that's the thing. They haven't for the entirety of conference play. Yeah, Ethan has played, played well okay. Play. Ethan Downs played. Okay. I do remember that. Yeah. He played. Okay. He had a couple of uh, tackles for losses and, um, of course, being an edge guy, it's hard. Like they got to come towards you, 
right the majority of the time if they're running to make a play. So he's but I thought I thought Red I actually do think Redmond played well. I mean he caused havoc, two tackles for loss, he had a sack. Um he played oh, well. Oh, did he have a sack? I didn't realize. Yeah, yeah, he had a sack. Yeah, he had a sack. Yeah. I yeah, the I only just don't get it, man. I just don't get it. A I'm lot still of tack- so high. Eight tackles for downs. losses, bro. Eight tackles for losses. Like it doesn't seem like it, but they did. It's kind of shocking when you read that stat, right? You hear yeah, it? honestly, that's that's more than I would have guessed they had. One hundred percent more. That's something, <laughs> but. But see, I think that goes back to the fact I think the defense played better than we all envision it. When you see the points on the board, it's hard to step away and go, well, there's 38 points that couldn't have played that well. They gave up 282 yards rushing that couldn't have played that well. But then when you actually deep dive into the stats, I guess maybe they didn't play that bad. I mean, I think one thing we need to talk about more than anything and I, I don't think they play great by any measurement. I just don't think they I don't think this was the worst game that they've played. How about that? By a long shot. And I would agree with that. I so, would certainly so that, agree with that. That's but look, where like, I'm at with that. I'm like, okay, yeah. they didn't play Iowa State well, but they played better than they played against Kansas, and they beat Kansas. You wanna know why? Because they didn't turn the damn ball over all the time. That's literally the difference in the penalties. But I think something we need to discuss is uh, nice Brent Venables seem to be gone today. Yeah, Brent. <laughs> Brent was getting a little testy in the post-game presser. He was. Yeah, he even snipped at me. Like, I was like, whoa, like, bro. I mean, he did it in a nice way, but I could tell there was like some sarcastic. Okay, to be fair, and I'm, I, and I'm not going to name names. There were some questions asked that were. How do I say this nicely? They weren't good questions. I'll just I'll just leave it at that. And so, like I I so so so, so give it give an example, a broad, a vague example of one. I know one of mine was is I talked about Marvin Mims, and I he had a good he had a good uh, quote on how it's unfair that he gets judged higher than everybody else because of his game, Iowa State. But I was I I gave him a compliment. I was like. Dude came back after, you know, a lot of people may have struggled the next game too because of confidence, and he just shook it off like it was nothing after all those drops and came back and was huge in the first half. Um, And he said it's unfair he gets that. And then I asked if he, since we were talking about Marvin Mims, if he thought about um, challenging that touchback, which I still think he should have. Like, what? Okay, so let's talk about that because – it looked like it was so close, but I didn't get a good. I, I mean, people on TV probably have a better view than we that's, did. But. That's what I'm saying, Brandon, because from the look I had, both in real time and on the scoreboard, I just didn't see how that was a touchback. And again, it probably got replayed from 10 different angles on TV. So there was probably something I just missed. Yep. But that's what he that said, was, too. Yeah, that was very, very bizarre. Mm hmm. Yeah, that's what it, Brent said too. He's like, "Well, they 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 gave plenty of time to review," and I was like, "Did they? Because they just ran out, and we're all we were all confused because they were on the twenty five yard line. We're like, how? What? How's that possible? They were, they were on the 25? 20, 20 yard line. Excuse me. Oh, 20 yeah, yard yeah, line. yeah. I was about to say. Sorry. I, 
Sorry, twenty-five. I was. But no, and I think that I think that was crucial too because that that was the very first play of the first of the fourth mm-hmm. quarter. Excuse me. And the difference between Baylor being pinned on its own two, huge. And, Baylor getting a fresh start on the 20. Yeah, that's huge, especially when it comes to crowd involvement, man, because the Mm -hmm. crowd was starting to get involved at that point in the game. They were starting to come to life, and OU's defense was – they were starting to feel it. They strung together some solid play in the third quarter. Again, it hadn't been all good, but there were some things that happened in the third quarter defensively for Oklahoma that you could sense them building off. And Mm -hmm. then it seemed like – it took a little bit of the air out of their sails. The fact that they had to start at the 20 as opposed to the two yard line. And so, yeah, yeah, just so many, so many little things in this game. So many things that didn't go Oklahoma's way. Some of those things were unavoidable. They were out of Oklahoma's control. Some of them were very much in Oklahoma's control, but again, they just, they didn't play winning football today. And, you know, I just, I used to be a very analytically minded person. Mm-hmm. And then I came to the realization that in general, analytics suck because analytics are just a very easy way to try and make the data say whatever you want it to say. Mm-hmm. You can take statistics and shoehorn them to fit whatever narrative you want them to fit. And so mm-hmm. I grew very, very tired of analytics at a certain point. And look, when I when I watch football games, I my eyes tell me what I need to know, right? And what my eyes told me today was that Oklahoma did not play well defensively. And again, it was not all bad. There were moments. There were moments for this team. There were they forced a turnover. They had an interception. Billy Bowman picked off a pass. That's a good thing. Right? That's a positive. But for the vast majority of that game, Oklahoma did not have <laughs> the defensive consistency to be able to justify winning a game at the end of the day. And they didn't put themselves in position to win a game. And you combine that with some of the unfortunate plays that you had on the offensive side of the ball, namely those two pinball interceptions, as well as the one that, you know, we talked about it. Dylan Gabriel just left it up too long for Marvin Mims and it got picked off. And you can't you can't lose the turnover battle three to one and expect mm-hmm. to win a football game. You can't. Yeah, I mean, but I don't know. I want to ask you something about because I, I, th- I think it was another crucial point of the game, um, mainly because it gave Taylor a short field again. <laughs> Was that Gentry Williams uh, running into the or catcher interference? I that or receiver interference, whatever you want to call it, on the punt return catch interference. Yeah, it was so stupid. Like he got completely shoved. Like how did they? How... I that like there was like four or five things today where I was just like, well. Like this isn't going Oklahoma's way, and it's not not why they win or won or lost, but it was like they were they were blatant things that changed the field position. Yeah, and I don't know if that one was blatant. Like he got pushed right in the back into the kid. Well, I 
I could see both sides of it on the replay and even in real time. I could see both sides. In real time, I was like, oh, that's 50 But it doesn't like, matter. The letter of the law is if you, you put your hands on the back of a, a guy running down, you've you doesn't matter if he would have ran into him regardless. You've put yourself in that position, and now you you created – okay? So you pushed him in the back. Guess what that is? That's clipping. So either way, it's a penalty. Right? Blocking the back. I mean – Yeah, but I just – I, I know I it's know. just like this shortened position, like these things, they didn't cost OU the game. OU probably would have, I don't, I can't say they would have lost because there was a three point ball game. So there was, there was so many. The, the Oklahoma had a finite uh They had the, 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 between the, uh, Good and the bad, there was like a finite space, and they totally did not trend on the good side. <laughs> That's why they lost. Like, if you were going to say you have this much leeway to do good and bad for win or a loss, and it was very finite, Oklahoma crossed the bad side more so than they did the good side. If they were tight roping, I guess, if you will, like, you know what I mean? Like you're tight roping yeah, well, down. Again, and look, I'll, I'll go back to what did my eyes tell me about today? My eyes told me Oklahoma couldn't stop the run. They lost the turnover battle and Baylor made the crucial plays in crunch time that they didn't. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, Baylor deserved to win the game today. Yeah. Now I, I, I also just got told Oklahoma gave up forty five points. It's a new score, just so you know. Oh, were you? Um, re- you I just read the post. through the board. Yeah, I just got told. Well, so now you're going to stick up for the defense that gave up forty five points. It's like, is this a new score? So we're living in hypothetical worlds now. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. Like, I think I'm so over this season. I think that's what it is. Because it just has, like, we went into this season with it being a joy. The first three games were fun. Oklahoma played well. There wasn't a lot of disdain between fans and media or the team and media or team and fans. And then Kansas State happened. And then Dylan Gabriel slid and TCU happen. And then Willie Cat and Gray Cat happen <laughs> in, in, in OU Texas. Well, you're Davis using Bevel a lot happened. nicer words than I would to describe that. I am, yeah. I'm, and Davis Bevel happened. Oh my gosh. What a freaking joke of a throw. Um, And then Oklahoma comes back and they beat Kansas, they beat Iowa State, and then Baylor happens. And we said before we said before this game that this was the biggest game of the year. If Oklahoma was going to make a run, this was the game because this was we thought this was going to be Oklahoma's toughest opponent moving forward. Do you still believe that? Do I still believe what now? 
we said that this was going to be Oklahoma's toughest opponent moving forward throughout the rest of the season, even more than Bedlam because. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, do you still believe that after watching today, uh, we know Oklahoma can't, they, they can win out from this point on, but we were thinking, you know, if they wanted to go nine and three, uh, this was the so, game that this was the game that was going to matter most because this was the one that we both thought was the most losable of the four left because Bedlam is Oklahoma State's just injured. So you basically, in essence, what you're asking is, do you do I think Oklahoma wins out from here? Do you think they can? Do you think they will? I, I think they can. Well, yeah. I I don't. I laid that up for you too easy. Do you think I they will? Don't How about think that? they will. Um, not after the way that they played today and not after the way that they've played, especially on defense to this point in the year, they've been too inconsistent and they should win against Texas tech to close the regular season. That is a game that realistically you should win. That ought to be a victory. I don't know if I can say the same about West Virginia and Oklahoma state right now. I don't know if I can. Both of those games feel like toss-ups right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I can't. I can't say one way or the other because I don't know what this team. Uh, if I knew what this team was going to be each week, I would. I, I would have a better opinion on it. But I don't know. Like we don't know who's gonna show up, man. Like it, it's it's literally a coin toss, which Oklahoma team's gonna show up. Well, no. Here's the thing, I I actually think as I've ruminated on it more and more, I think we know exactly what Oklahoma is as a football team. They are a program that is either going to hit the field on Saturday and play a near-flawless offensive game, or they're going to lose. Because if you slip up offensively, if this Oklahoma team slips up offensively, as they did repeatedly today, we talked about the three turnovers, if you have those kinds of lapses on the offensive side of the ball, your defense is not going to be able to do enough to hold up their end of the bargain and Mm -hmm. win you a football game. They're not. And so I, I would say the same about Iowa State last week. Yeah, the defense played better than they had in previous weeks, but that game felt comfortably in hand for most of the afternoon because Oklahoma played very efficiently and without conspicuous mistakes mm-hmm. on the offensive side. And so to me, it feels like a somewhat watered-down, muted version of the 2018 season. The defense isn't that bad mm-hmm. and the offense isn't that good, but and I'm saying that in rel- relative to 2018, this defense isn't as bad as it was in 2018. This offense isn't as good as it was in 2018, but whether or not Oklahoma wins is going to be pretty squarely contingent upon how they play offensively because what we, we, we know at this point what the defense is or rather isn't. And that's that's Oklahoma in 2022. That's what yeah. it amounts to in my eyes. Yeah, but I, I, you say that as if it's 
that cut and dry and Iowa State happened. And yeah, Iowa State's bad on offense, but I don't know. I just when we saw how they played, that's what I guess. Yeah, you're right. The more I've sat here and I'm like sitting here sifting through it because I I asked the question, I didn't really think about it. Before I asked it, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I this team's just rough to watch, man, because it's like a roller coaster. It's like it's like that skit I was showing you guys the Auburn experience, <laughs> but, the, but we're living it on a weekly basis. Mm-hmm. Up and down, up and down. What are you going to get next? Are they going to give up 280 yards rushing or are they going to show up and shut out West Virginia next week? Stay tuned. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go on record. I do not think they shut out West Virginia. No, I, I, I was talking about rushing yards, like shut out as far as like they're going to hold them under 150 yards rushing uh, or are they going to give up 300 yards rushing to West Virginia? Hmm? Hmm? Which Oklahoma defense is showing up? Because <laughs> that's what it is. It's like, oh my gosh. One thing you can guarantee, though, is that Oklahoma is not going to get more than one sack on the night. They've gotten one sack, I think, each of the last three or four weeks, and that's it. No, the last three weeks, they've gotten one sack. One sack every game. It's bad. I mean, that's more than zero, and that's about all I can say. Mm. it's still rough to watch because you're used to watch it like and I guess it's because it it's very noticeable for us because we saw Nick Benito Isaiah Thomas, Perrin Winfrey and Ronnie Perkins the last three or four years you know what I mean like as bad as the defenses were at times you knew they were going to rush the passer well every week. You can't say that anymore. It's non-existent. No matter, even the pressures, like I think I was listening to Teddy and so I wanted to watch what he was talking about. And on the blitzes, the guys all come late. Like they do not time their blitzes right at all. They don't time their stunts right. Like nothing is timed the way it's supposed to be timed. And if you want to be a good defense, you have to time your blitzes right. And you want it when you stunt, everything's timed, man. Like when you cross with somebody, that opening before that offensive lineman sees you, Parker, again, the word finite. It's very small. The margin of error is small, 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 small. And these guys can't seem to figure it out. And they've they've had all year, and nobody does it. The good news is, is everybody's going to get a chance to return next year and try again. The bad news is everybody gets to try return next year and try again. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but hey, experience. <laughs> Chalk one up for the old experience. The old college try. I don't know. I uh, Among the words that OU fans do not want to hear at this point in the season, I would think experience is pretty high <laughs> on the list. 
Well, you know what? They're having an experience this season. Yeah, they are. Oh, it's been an experience. <laughs> it's been one heck of an experience to cover this team this year. And I'm sure it is to be a fan. So, all right. Uh, they did host recruits today. Yeah. We're done talking about that. Whatever we watch today, I'm I'm over it at this point. Uh, they did host recruits. I, Jackson said he came, he was coming. Uh, he was under the weather, so I don't know if he made it or not. One hundred percent. I text him to check in a few minutes ago, so we'll see. Um, but as far as the recruits on campus. Um, there was some decent talent on campus. There was. Mike Hawkins was back in town again. Yeah. Uh, Devon Mitchell, five-star tied in 2025 again I, for the fourth I, time. Man, man. I'm I'm starting yeah, to believe, I, oh, you might be a player in Devon Mitchell's recruitment. I was not there three months ago. And it's weird to it's weird to say. Oh, that. okay. Well, here's the, here's the. I okay. It's it's weird that you said that because I know something. So when um, Chad Morris was the coach, and it was springtime, and I went down to the spring game. Oklahoma hadn't offered him yet and they he was going up after the spring game and he was taking a visit and he got the offer shortly after there's after Allen's spring game but after after the spring game i'm talking to michael hawkins i'm talking to uh umia zulu and i'm talking to devon mitchell and i asked devon i said how big of an offer is Oklahoma to you? He said that that A and M are my biggest is are the two that I'm I want the most and I like the most. Those are the two biggest to me. And I said, "Are you one that wants to go play with Mike?" And he said, "Yes, I, we want to play together in college." And I said, "So Michael, obviously Oklahoma is a big offer to him. He keeps showing up to Oklahoma. Oklahoma obviously leads." For his recruitment, that's no secret to anybody. Like that's, that's not everybody knows that. I put a crystal ball in for him this morning, just because I was like fourth visit. This is getting too easy, and I keep forgetting to do it. So I'm thinking about it. I'm going to go ahead and do it, even though it was like three in the morning or two in the morning or whatever when I did it. Um, but Devon said that OU was his top school. Then, and I'm gonna assume that it's still his top school after four trips. I mean, the way they try and use Braden Willis, obviously they didn't do very good today, but what they've done and what they can do with a talent like him in Levy's system, that's got to be a pretty good selling point for Oklahoma at this, you know, at this juncture. So, um, I talked to, uh, Jacob Lacey's dad a little bit. I like Oklahoma's chances of getting to get the Notre Dame grad transfer. Mm -hmm. I do. Mm -hmm. I wouldn't be shocked if they announce here soon. Like, honestly, I don't know that for a factor. I didn't ask. I didn't deep dive into it like that. That's just my gut after, you know, the things that I was told. 
So, and they need, they need it. It's almost use the word experience. <laughs> they need more depth to, and talent on the defensive front. So, um, Josh Bates, Oklahoma commit, four-star center commit, uh, was in KC Poe 2024, offensive lineman, made it back. That's your territory. Talk about him. What does this visit mean? And then I'll dive into the uh, Blake Frazier offer uh, because I've talked to him quite a bit. Yeah, KC Poe had a real good time, Brandon. <laughs> real good time. I, uh, you know, I've, I've been saying it for a few months now, I think Oklahoma leads for Casey Poe, and I think that lead was extended today. Um, I will, I will do a deeper dive tomorrow and talk to Casey at length about the visit and kind of see where things stand in the aftermath. But OU's his biggest offer to date. Uh, it's the school that has recruited him the hardest and the most consistently, mm-hmm. and and the visit went exceptionally well today. Win or no win. By the way, apparently, according to the board, Nigel Smith is now gone because Oklahoma lost today. So um, there's that. that. Did somebody really say that? Yes. How many people said that? Uh, just yeah, one, right? Yeah, thankfully, just one. Which, by the for, for people that don't understand, Nigel, if there's one kid that's not going to be phased by wins and losses, it's Nigel Smith. He's been very vocal about the fact that OU and, and Texas A&M are both going to be on his short list, regardless of how the 2022 season uh, pans out. And look, I I talked to Nigel about a month ago, went down to one of his games. Of course, I was at his game this past this past Thursday as well. But uh, the previous time when I've been down to see him, it was right on the heels of the loss to Texas, which was obviously jarring. And it was Oklahoma's third straight loss. And mm-hmm. I asked him straight up. I said, how does how does the losing streak uh and i i could have used a lot of descriptive words there but i just left it that uh, how does the losing streak affect your perception of oklahoma and he just straight up said look it doesn't at all because until they get their guys in until they bring in elite players on the defensive front they're only going to be able to do so much so mm-hmm. i i understand the fact that they're struggling a little bit in year 1 and I'm it, it doesn't diminish my love for Rent Venables and Todd Bates and Miguel Chavis and the University of Oklahoma. And uh who's to say I can't go there and be part of the group that helps shift the narrative and change the culture. So yeah, and OU OU leads in the recruitment of Nigel Smith as well, mm. as of right now. And there are other schools in the mix. I don't want to make it seem like he's a absolute mortal lock to go to Oklahoma because he likes Texas A&M. He likes Alabama. He likes Ohio state. And those are some heavy hitters, right? But I think there is the most comfort with Oklahoma at this point for him. Yeah. Look, everybody wants to point fingers and say, Oh, well, Oklahoma, is losing, so all these recruits, blah, 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 blah. And like Nigel said, and like many of the 2023 guys have said, so, like, none of these guys outside of a few 2022 guys and a few transfers 
are Brent Venables guys. Everybody's Lincoln Riley, Alex Grinch. So the culture, and you know, I know we were talking like jokingly talking about, well, Saban went seven and six in year one after the presser today. But he did, number one. Number two, Kirby Smart was wasn't Kirby Smart like six and six as well? Eight something? and five. Eight and Eight five. five in year one at Georgia. Okay. Well, so my point is it's when you go and you try to do these systems and you try to bring in a championship system to a program that they were on the downward trend, by the way, like Oklahoma was on the downward trend. All you had to do is pay attention the last three years. They kept losing more and more games every year. Did they not? They did. Okay. And if they didn't lose, they were winning closer by closer and closer margins to teams they should be blowing out or having to escape away from those teams. So this se- this type of season was bound to happen at some point. It may not... It, if Muleshoe stays, and I'm not trying to belittle Dylan Gabriel... Caleb Williams puts a band-aid on things for a little bit. But that's it. Eventually, the day of reckoning was going to come. You'd rather get it over with now and get your recruits, start getting your recruits in and recruit at a high level, even though you're kind of struggling a little bit and start the rebuild and try to win a lot of games next year and the year after and the year after. Because I think Parker and I believe that next year they're going to be really good. Like, we believe that. Doesn't mean they will, but we believe that. <laughs> so, like, it's the old Chicago Cubs refrain, right? Yeah. Wait till next year. No, but Oklahoma, we don't ever really say that. But you, you see what what's coming in, what could come in through the transfer portal and – what they have returning and anytime you get a second year inside a system and stuff like that with the way that they're recruiting and adding talent that fits them, that fits them. You got to think there's going to be a big jump in production, right? You would think, right? You would think you would think. And so that's what we're kind of, and that's what the recruits are harping on too. So I, I, that fans, you got to take a deep breath. Uh, Caden Durham, uh, one of the top 100, 150 players in the country in 2024, running back out of Duncanville, was in town. Uh, Oklahoma, he's from Moore, Oklahoma, originally. Moved down there to Duncanville a few years ago. He's a really good player. A really good player. And he really likes Oklahoma. His whole family lives up here. There is a really good chance Oklahoma and DeMarco Murray close this thing out by March or April, I would assume. I think Oklahoma leads just just off sheer. I mean, the dude's been up here like four or five times already. Too. Yeah. He's he's very much like Michael Hawkins. Um I think I think the interesting Devin Sanchez is the interesting one to me. The twenty twenty five five star uh defensive back. Hey, he really likes Oklahoma. Yeah, there's I haven't talked there. to him like you have, so that's why there's something there. Is there? 
He's been up a couple of times. Yeah. So yeah, the vibe, vibes are vibes are good on that one as of right now. And again, 2025 is a long way off. Yep. I think I've entered one 2025 crystal ball, but who was that? It was Isaiah Mosey. Oh my gosh. Okay. <laughs> For those that don't know, he's a his his dad, Jamar Mosey, was a player at Oklahoma. And Layup. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, uh Grady Adamson, I think I think it's gonna come down the quarterback in twenty five is gonna come down between him and Kevin Sperry at this point. Maybe David McCombs being the other guy, but I think those would be the three. You don't think they look further out of state than that at all? I don't know why they would. There's just so much talent. There's like four legit P5 quarterbacks in the state of Oklahoma. And then in 2025, and then you go across the border and there's like three other really good ones in the DFW area. So why would you need to stay and get a kid that it that's passionate about the university? And I think that's something that, that I, I think that's something that Jackson Arnold brings and that's why I think is really cool about 2023 is Denton is essentially, it, they call DFW, like the Texas people call Oklahoma, call Dallas, the DFW, Oklahoma South, South, just because there's so many Oklahomans or OU fans and all that type of stuff in that Metro. It's a very pro Oklahoma area. And so, especially when you get North of three or, or 635 and 121, you get along that corridor that's Oklahoma Central. <laughs> so, uh, and that's where all these guys are coming from. So, I, I think that that works in Oklahoma's favor. If they can, like, get all the top kids from that region in Oklahoma, and then you start nitpicking nationally, you should have a top six, seven class every year. Especially how well OK Preps is starting to look in 24 and 25. It's getting pretty deep. And 23, it's really deep in 23. I think it's very underrated class, by the way. Yeah, it very much is. It very much is in 23. 24 seems a little bit lighter. Yeah, it does. All things considered, unless we get some late risers. But 25, and we've talked about it for a while, mm. the state of mm -hmm. Oklahoma, class of 2025. I mean, they could, good. yeah, they could legit have 10, 12 kids from the state of Oklahoma if they really want to in that class. And, I don't think you and I would look at it and go, what are they doing? And I don't think fans would either. Cause I think a lot of them are going to be four star or high three star guys. So, and maybe a couple of five stars sprinkled in there as well. So it's, it's, it's a, it's a pretty special class. Uh, all right. That's going to do it for this version of the OU insider under the visor Sooners post game podcast, Oklahoma loss, uh, 38, 35 to Baylor. Uh, they play West Virginia next week in Morgantown. We will be there to cover it for you guys. We will have a pregame podcast later on this week. We will have the YouTube live later on this week as well. As well, um, It's a rough time to be a Sooner fan, but the good news is that Oklahoma still has a top 10 recruiting class and looks like they're going to have a chance to close out on some high, high, high rated guys if they continue to trend in the right direction uh, and they get a little lucky. Obviously, the transfer portal also is another big thing that Parker and I will be covering for you guys. So if you're not on OU Insider, $1 for the first month, $9.95 afterwards uh, if you want to go month to month. Or you can sign up right now, 30% off uh, for $75. We'll get you a whole year 
And then after that year, if you want to sign up again, you get Paramount Plus to come with it if you stay with us for a year. So after the first year of OU Insider, you get all 24-7 sports, all 250 sites, VIP sites, Alabama, Oklahoma, uh, Texas A&M, Texas, whatever you want to get. You get access to all those sites <laughs> and their information. Uh, you get Paramount Plus to go with it. So it's two-for-one deal. Uh, if you're not also if you're not a subscriber to the YouTube channel if you're watching this on YouTube subscribe 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 the more you subscribe the more you like the more you talk the more you chat the more we know or and Parker and Spencer and everybody knows what to put up on that YouTube site so be active on it it helps us out immensely and uh, that's it all right Parker you got anything else I got nothing else to add Let's call right. it a night, and I guess we'll uh, we'll do it all again on Wednesday on OU Insider Live. All right. All right. That's going to do it for the OU Insider Advisor Sooners postgame podcast. Oklahoma lost 38-35. We will see you on the YouTube Live on Wednesday, the podcast on Thursday. For Parker Thune, my name Brandon. My name is Brandon Drum. You guys have a blessed night. Mm-hmm.